Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2021 Director of Virtual Programs for the Metro DC chapter of the Association for Talent Development. And I'm Leticia Niago, Vice President of Learning. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hubka, the Vice President of Finance. We also have Helena Hodges, Director of Technology and Operations, as our producer. For this episode, we are interviewing Laura Renault. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. Excited to be here. Well, before we jump into our topic on building a learning strategy roadmap, can you share a little bit about yourself with our listeners, including your involvement with ATD? Oh, wow. Yes, I'd be happy to do that. So uh, like you said, my name's Laura Renault, and I have been involved with ATD probably for over 20 years now, if we're thinking wow. of years. Yeah. And, and really started on the journey of partnering and getting involved in ATD uh, because I was new to the learning space and who could I find that could help me kind of work through some of the questions that I had. And so I started out attending some of the wonderful events that ATD would host on a local level here in Phoenix, Arizona. Started volunteering just on a small scale to say, yeah, I'll sign people in at the workshop. And then from there, my ATD journey just kind of progressed. I, I started out uh, as the membership chair, then I went to conference chair, and then from there I became the president and then went on to serve as a national advisor for chapters on the national level uh, and just finished that role about last year in, in 2020. So um, that's my involvement with ATD. A little bit about my background. I've been in L&D for about 20 years and have worked in a number of roles. I uh, started out leading a manufacturing training organization at Medtronic. And then from there, I've moved into uh, global learning and leadership development. And in that space, I get to the opportunity to coach and get to sit in a global role where I actually get to partner with leaders and coach internal leaders on how to bring them their best selves to work. And so that's some of the work that I do today. And if you if I were to describe myself and what I do, I really am a lifelong learner. And so I tend to go towards the work that gives me the opportunity to learn, stretch, and grow. And so based on that, I've just had a number of things that I've done throughout my career. Mm, I love it. A true talent development professional. So let's tap into that experience for our listeners. First of all, for those that don't know, what is a learning strategy roadmap? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I will say that there's tons of definitions, but the easy way to to think about it is it's really how do I take the goals of the organization, understand what skills are needed, and start to create that sequence of learning activities for employees. And so it really is defining an overall learning journey for those employees within your organization. Um, is how I would describe it. 
Okay. And I, I actually envision like a road map, <laughs> like you're building like roads between waypoints. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, it does make sense. I mean, there are several ways to do it. If you think about it visually, right, you could, you know, map it out on a project plan. I'm a very visual person. So for me, it often starts with a whiteboard and post-it notes and able mm. to move things around. Um, but really it is around what's that journey that I want my learners to experience? So what are those things that, you know, the topics that I need to cover? What are those activities that I need to include in? And what is it that I really want them to walk away from after they experience this journey? Okay. And now before we dive deeper into how we build one, what are some, I mean, what do you find useful about using this? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think it's useful for me as an L&D professional to be able to just uh, see the path and, and where I'm taking people. And that then helps engage other people. So it helps engage stakeholders. It helps engage the learners. So the, you know, I would encourage and say the learning strategy roadmap shouldn't be a secret. It's something that you can really share with other people to get buy-in, to get resources, uh, really be able to get more people involved in the learning and engaged in what's going to happen um, as you take folks on the journey. Ooh. So it sounds like there's quite a, a lot of benefit for the learner and organization. It, it, can you go through a few more? Yeah. So I, I think I talked about learner engagement. I talked about uh, stakeholder management. And so really is around managing expectations. Sometimes people don't want to make time for learning, right? That's kind of yeah. hard to believe, but it kind of happens <laughs> sometimes, you know. And so how do you convince and show people what it is that a leader, what will their employee, they're gone and they're dedicating this time to, to learn, what can they expect to see back when they come back on the job? And that's really key in, in building that relationship and that buy-in from, from the organization. I like that because, it, I mean, I can see going into the classroom. And I remember hearing stats that just blew my mind about how many people actually engage in learning development on their own time, mm -hmm. you know, for themselves. And mm -hmm. it was staggering how small it was. Mm -hmm. You know, we're from the talent professional field. So it's like, this is our life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, how much can I learn? And then to I hear know. that people don't do it, it's kind of surprising. And, yeah. and you hit on a, a great point, Chris, that it also gives the learner something to look forward to, you know, yeah. so it brings it alive for them. Okay. I'm going to this experience because really it, you're creating a journey for them and you're creating experiences for them. And that's really the key piece in, in, in building the strategy around learning and a roadmap. Yeah. Well, and it makes sense too, because a lot of people maybe they, they want to learn, but they just don't know how to take that next step or what that should be. And I think this sounds like this would be a great tool for that. Uh -huh. Yeah. 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 Okay, so for those of us who have no idea how to build one, can you take us through the process? Yeah. So the first thing I'd like to say is start with the end in mind. 
So when you look down the road and after this journey's done, what is it that you're hopeful your learners will take away? So that's the very first basic step. Okay. And I can even see this can be like for a specific course or even for like a lifetime of learning. I mean, it sounds like it's scalable. It is scalable. So you could actually use it. I've, From my experience, I've used it on a macro level, meaning, okay, we have competencies to build for this set of engineers or production associate associates. And then I've used it at a program level. We have this program that we want to deliver. And how do we create this journey for them as they go through the program? Ooh, okay. So regardless of the level that we're doing this at, we start with that end in mind. What's what's our next step? Yeah. And then once you start to say, this is what I envision, this is what I see, this is what I'd like for them to do, you get your objectives, then you start to tie topics to those objectives. You know, so if I want them to be able to ride a bike and I'm keeping it really simple, what's the first thing I should teach them? You know, I want them to ride the bike safely. Well, maybe it's safety tips on what are some of those safe things to use in riding the bike. And so it's really taking all of those um, actual objectives and starting to tie specific topics to it. Okay. And then what do we do? And then after that, this comes the fun and the juicy part, right? You have (laughs) your topics. So you think about what resources are there? What activities do I need to create? What courses do I need to create? What learning needs to happen in between? What leaders can I use to bring in to kind of reinforce this? What are some of the organizational things that I can pull in to tie this learning back to the work that they're doing? Uh, So it really is around what is it that I, what is that journey I'm creating? What are the activities? How How do I see it playing out with the topics that I have? And the one thing that I will say, and I want to make this really clear in this particular step, How do I sequence the learning so that it's easy for the learner to absorb and we're not overwhelming them? Mm, I like that. Uh, Cognitive overload, right? Yeah, cognitive overload. We don't want that. (laughs) Yeah. So before we get to that next step, question on this one, because this can almost feel a little overwhelming on identifying all of those different things for each topic. Is there a favorite way that you keep organized? I mean, I know like the post-it notes on a whiteboard or, you know, what's a good way to keep this where it feels manageable and that you're identifying all of the different things for each topic? Yeah, I think it goes into the sequence building, right? So when you're looking at that objective, I think I ask myself three really quick questions. Is it content that they need? Is it an experience that they need? Is it a resource that I need to provide? Mm. And um, looking at it from that perspective really helps keep it slim, managed, and you're not doing so many things at once. But it still ties back to that objective and really making sure that the objectives of what you want to accomplish are very clear for yourself. So we've got the topics, then we're identifying content, experiences, resources for each one. What's our next step? Uh, My next step typically is just test it out. Start to socialize what it is that you're thinking. And that's really when you start to engage your your stakeholders, right? Or 
you know, leaders or whoever it is that you're working on this this type of work for? How do you get them involved? How do you get their uh, feedback on, does this make sense? Is this doable within the work that you're doing? So almost a simple pilot phase and feedback from the end users, from your stakeholders, and maybe even someone outside of your team and your group that could kind of help with that as well. Ooh, during this phase, um, I'm just curious, because oftentimes as a Sometimes the lone talent development professional in in the organization, how are you putting this into a digestible, easy to present format without, I guess, maybe going toward that final product that you're going to be presenting? Yeah, without uh, putting it in trainees. I think that's the term, like too many training. I think it's just really simple. You know, in my role, we we have a lot of uh, business templates that we use, right? Um, and so it's really just taking that template and highlighting the visually. I typically like to show it visually on that template with very simple terms. So this is what's going to happen you know, these are our objectives, and this is how we've aligned activities to meet those objectives and helping create that visual so people can see and follow it along and keep it very high level and simple enough that it doesn't overwhelm your, uh, someone that might not be as familiar with training uh, or learning and Mm -hmm. keeping it and tying it back to those business terms that you have within the organization. Ah, using their language. I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we test it, we socialize it, and then I'm guessing that we we kind of tweak it. What do we do mm-hmm. next? Yeah, we tweak it. So, you know, as you start to socialize it and review it with others, we we tweak it and see what needs to change, what needs to stay, what can go, what did we miss? Um, And you start doing your tweaks. Um, I also like to, um, one of the things that I do, and I like to use my resources at that point. So you talk about being the single alone trainer. Mm -hmm. Um, I say when you get to that point of before implementation, somewhere in there, start to use other resources that are available to you if you're not, if you're alone in a training organization. So if you're the only one, talk to someone at ATD and see if they can help you and give you some input on what it is that you're thinking of. But make sure you have that support system that helps you tweak it, that may be able to be a sounding board is really what I want to say. So I'm guessing once we have that roadmap, then that and it's solidified and we like it, then that's how essentially we build out a project plan from it. Mm-hmm. You build out a pro- build out a project plan, um, and you know test it right. So you have this new project plan. Most of the time, I'll do a small small pilot uh, for individuals to come to and experience it and see that's a great way to, to engage leaders and then start to think about what does your implementation look like after you've tested it and um, gotten more more feedback and buy-in and really as you're implementing it measure you know what's the measures of success that you want to see after each iter- iteration of of your 
project plan and take that feedback real time and start to make improvements as you go and you're implementing along the way. I'm just curious. Well, first of all, are, are there some things that we need to watch out for you know, when we're designing these roadmaps? Yeah, uh, always project scope creep. It's the largest thing to watch out for. And and it's easy to do, right? Because we get really excited about learning and about developing others. And we can get to the point. It's interesting that you asked that. I just was doing a class earlier to a session earlier today. And we can get so excited that we want to throw so much at people. (laughs) (laughs) Like they could use this, they could use this, they could use this. And it probably is true. They probably could use all of it. But if you go back to your objective and say, what are we trying to intend for this moment? And so what do they need now? What do they need later, maybe in the future? And what would be a good way to follow up and ensure the application happens? Mm, so no drinking from the fire hose. No drinking from the fire hose. <laughs> <laughs> Avoid it really at hard. all costs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> So, Laura, along those lines, I know this can be true when developing any kind of a learning experience, but do you have any tips for us on how to make sure that it's the learner that stays very central to this development process and that in the midst of stakeholder input and needs and hopes and wants for the learners and their experience that we don't forget about what's going to be meaningful to them? curious if you've got tips on how we can kind of keep ourselves centered on that. Yeah. How do we keep the learner at the center of it all? Yeah. 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 You know, for me, I, I feel like I keep the learner at the center of it all as I really go back to those objectives. So this is yeah. where what we want the learner to walk away with. And you're always, always going to get great feedback from the stakeholders. And and that's why it's good to build a relationship to really help them understand where you're going. Uh, And maybe they feel the learners need it, but it is not no, but it might be not right now. So I think that's one of the things that I would encourage everyone to do, because I think the one thing that really gets can get us in a tailspin is if we get to the point with our stakeholders where we're getting into this back and forth of, no, it can't happen, acknowledge that they need it and say, not right now. And, Mm. you know, maybe we see that in the future here, or maybe we can incorporate it in another way, but not in this particular moment. I think that's a really nice way to balance expectations is what you're talking about. Yeah, I really like that advice. I think that's really solid, especially because it can be so difficult when developing an experience and you have stakeholders weighing in and you have a lot of different ideas and opinions. It can very quickly become centered on what would be a great roadmap for a stakeholder mm-hmm. and their training, perhaps, mm-hmm. as opposed to the learner. So mm-hmm. I love that idea about how we can make sure to keep this very learner centered. So thank you. Welcome. Yeah, and I actually had a question similar to this one, and it sounds like having a learning strategy roadmap relates a lot to instructional designing. 
So do you find that it's helpful to have such a strategy when you're dealing with learners that have such different learning styles? Mm. I think that's a really good question. And so you're right, it is closely tied to instructional design. But I think when you're thinking about the learner as a whole and you're thinking about all those different styles, that's where it comes to thinking about all the different ways of engagement, right? So you might have some content, you might have some recordings, you may have reflection work. And I think that's when you're defining those activities is really where you start to hit all of those different learning preferences, right, that a person may have. Yeah. Okay. I got one last question for you before we jump to rapid fire. Sure. Because I love tech toys mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and tools, I should mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. So what kind of, uh, what, what software programs or what tools do you use to create your roadmaps? Through the process, I would say. Yeah, through the process. So I'm probably not as tech tooly as you. Like, <laughs> uh, So for me, it really is just me drawing it out, taking my whiteboard and transitioning that into PowerPoint uh, is really just the, the best way that I've learned how to do it uh, uh-huh. and, and, and show it. So that's yeah. probably the best way, but I'm sure there's some cool tools out there and technology to use uh, because there's just quite a bit. Nothing beats a whiteboard. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it was almost like when you were first talking about roadmap, I almost envisioned, what is that? There's a presentation tool. I think it's Presto or something. Oh, Prezi? Prezi. Prezi. Yeah, Prezi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Someone go around a road. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Prezi is really cool. And I've used it a few times. And it's interesting because when I used it in the environment, in an environment once, they were like, I got dizzy looking at Prezi. (laughs) (laughs) And so I haven't really been back there. But yeah, it is a cool tool. Creative and PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you can do some cool things in PowerPoint. PowerPoint to kind of transition and kind of show the uh, map and and the movement of the learner. So uh, that's what I tend to stick with. Awesome. Well, that's that is fantastic. And a little foreshadowing, because Laura, as I think, you know, at the end of every episode, we like to ask our guest five rapid fire style questions. Each question requires less than 60 seconds to respond. And one of them might just relate to some of what you were just sharing. So what do you think? Are you ready for some rapid fire? I am so ready. Let's go. Oh, Good. Good. Love to hear it. (laughs) All right. Your first question is, give us one book that all talent development professionals must read and why. Mm, Okay. 60 seconds. That's hard. So the one book that I'm, I'm a book hopper, but the one book that's in my hopping right now is Playing Big uh, by, Mm. yeah, by Tara Mora. And it's a great book on how to just use your inner leader and some of the strengths that you have to be able to make a great impact. So I think any L&D person could benefit from reading that. I've had that recommended to me recently. And with your recommendation, it's officially on the list. So thank you. Thank you for that. (laughs) All right. Here's where the foreshadowing comes into play. Give us one tool that you recently learned about and immediately started using. VidGrid. Ooh. Yeah. So VidGrid is this tool that you can use to create really quick videos. And I use it all the time. I use it to even like send 
instead of sending emails, long, drawn out emails, I'll use it as a voice memo to send to individuals to maybe, you know, get them prepared for class or to give instructions. So VidGrid, I, that's, that's the tool that I recommend. That sounds terrific. Yeah, gosh, no, noted that as well. This has been productive for me so far. That's a great one. All right. What is the best piece of talent development related advice you've ever been given? Mm, that's a good one. So the the piece of advice that I would have to say, because a lot of times when I first started out in L&D, I was all about the learner. I was all about making sure they were, and I'm still about that, but making sure they were heard and really tied to just more of the activities and getting things done and less about the measurement piece. And I was given advice that measurement, being able to measure learning, gets you a seat at the table And I would agree with that 100%. So being able to take what you've done from an L&D perspective and translate that in a measurement way to show how it ties to the business is the key and has been the best advice I've received. And that is so well stated. Thank you. What great advice for all of us. That's terrific. All right. What is one thing you're excited about that's coming up in 2021? I'm excited about a lot. So I, one of the things that I'm doing is I'm actually um, indulging deeper into my coaching certification. So I have the opportunity to do some more learning and uh, training around uh, coaching certification. So that's the one thing that I'm looking forward to. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. All right. Your final question for today, what is the one thing within our ATD community that you are deeply grateful for right now? Oh, the relationships, the connection, the community. It's invaluable. You can't buy it. You can't make it up. And so I would say that's, that's what I'm most appreciative for. Great answer. And totally agree with you, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a pleasure as always. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been so nice to uh, be here and chat with you all. Oh, and I would be remiss if I didn't thank my co-hosts as well. Well, thank you, Chris, first of all, and Laura, just so much for us to take with us after what you've shared. I am so excited to start to think more strategically about how I can use some of these roadmap concepts with some of the work that I'm doing. Just, I really appreciate you walking us through this process. Oh, thanks. It was my pleasure for sure. Yeah. Thank you for taking this time to share all this with us. You're welcome. And many thanks to our community for listening. Now, before you go, though, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Do you want to know how our members have leveraged resources that we share and how you can benefit from that as well? Go to dcatd.org forward slash spotlight. Check out dcatd.org for upcoming chapter events, learning programs, member benefits, and so much more.